Welcome to Daily Drive. For Friday, April 28, 2023, I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show, another public retailer sees a big drop in net income. That's while Lithia cuts a thousand jobs. And GM joins an effort to develop shared software. Plus, some dealerships are giving people who were formerly incarcerated a chance to start again as service techs. 100% of our folks that come through the program are either previously incarcerated or living in poverty and need an opportunity to find a job that provides them with a living wage and a career. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Sonic Automotive's net income fell by half in the first quarter. Its franchise stores saw lower sales and lower gross profits on new and used vehicles. The retailer says net income plunged 51% to about $48 million, while revenue ticked up 1% to just under $3.5 billion, a first quarter record. Sonic's Echo Park brand of used-only stores reported a 34% jump in vehicle sales, leading to a record first quarter revenue of $650 million, but the used-only business lost $47 million in the quarter. That's about 34% worse than its $35 million loss a year earlier. Net income seems to be falling among all of the publicly traded retailers. Last week, we reported that Lithia's net income fell 33% in Q1. Now it appears Lithia has eliminated around 1,000 unspecified positions so far this year. Lithia's COO, Chris Holshue, said on the company's earnings call last week that the group has been focused on right-sizing in certain pockets. Lithia did not comment directly on what type of positions were eliminated, where they were located, when the cuts took place, or if there were open positions. The group did divest one dealership in the first quarter. General Motors is working to accelerate the development of software-defined vehicles by joining a collaborative effort to make the process easier across the auto industry. GM says it's joining the Eclipse Foundation, a global association that promotes open-source software development. The automaker says it will work with the foundation's software-defined vehicle working group. GM will contribute technology it's calling U-Protocol, which connects vehicle applications to the cloud and mobile devices and also allows software components to communicate more easily across multiple operating systems. GM's executive chief architect of software-defined vehicles, Frank Ganassia, told reporters that the company wants to help the industry develop a standard software foundation that makes the back-end work of building and connecting applications faster and easier. And GM's board of directors has nominated retired U.S. Navy Vice Admiral Jan Tai, a cybersecurity specialist, to join the automaker's governing body. Tai served for more than 34 years with the Navy and the National Security Agency. She retired in 2018. GM CEO Mary Barra said in a statement that Ty's expertise in cybersecurity and information systems will be invaluable as the automaker continues to develop electric and autonomous vehicles, as well as expand software capabilities across all car and light truck products. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, we keep seeing this trend of publicly traded dealerships losing net income quarter by quarter. How do you fix this? Well, you know, it's definitely been an ugly quarter in terms of the trend and the year-on-year comparisons, but you know it's important to keep in mind these past couple of years have been just extraordinarily profitable for dealers across the board. 
there's been still this, you know, the lingering shortage that has made vehicles sell at MSRP or even above, uh, certainly limited incentives, very efficient turns. As things get back toward normal, everything's just coming down. The profits are all coming down. The one thing I take heart in is, is pretty much everybody's still reporting profits. And, you know, they're still staying profitable as they uh, work their way back toward a more normal economy. It's going to be uh, it's going to be challenging. I see. Coming up, we'll hear from the head of a Maryland nonprofit that is recruiting formerly incarcerated people to help develop the next generation of service techs. That's next on Daily Drive. Hi, I'm Pete Bigelow, host of Shift, a podcast about mobility from Automotive News. Each week, I bring you a conversation with leaders who are on the cutting edge of transportation, like this one with consultant and strategist Salika Josiah Talbot. The technologists are forcing themselves in a space that they shouldn't be. And I think the social scientists and politicians are falling down on the job. To hear more about the new technology and policy reshaping the way people and goods move around, join me on Shift. New episodes each Sunday on autonews.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Maryland nonprofit Vehicles for Change reconditions donated used vehicles and sells them to people in need for $950. But a lack of service technicians was causing a delay in reconditioned cars reaching those in need. To solve that, CEO Martin Schwartz started a technician training program, which recruited mostly people who were incarcerated or formerly incarcerated, That helped to get donated vehicles to those in need more quickly, but Vehicles for Change has also been supplying dealerships and independent repair facilities with trained techs. Schwartz spoke with Automotive News Senior Editor Dan Schein about the organization's mission, as well as its plans to get more techs trained using virtual reality. Marty, it's so great of you to uh, join us today. Thank you. Love being here. Could you start by telling a little bit about how Vehicles for Change came about, and then how it kind of segued into a place where you are training former uh, inmates to be technicians. Yeah, so Vehicles for Change was created to address the number one barrier to employment that people living in poverty find, which is transportation. It's an issue all over the country. It's always been identified as the number one barrier to employment. And so we, in conjunction with actually a for-profit company at the time called Precision Pro, decided that maybe a way that we could address that is to take donated cars, repair them, and then we work with external organizations, uh, job training programs, domestic violence programs, rehabilitation programs, and then they identify the family that needs the car to get employment. And we sell them a car for $950. Uh, They get a 12-month loan that we guarantee, so they establish credit while they're paying for their car. They get a six-month, 6,000-mile warranty, so we make sure that the car stays on the road while they're getting on their feet. And then because we have four locations across the state of Maryland that are all also repair centers, they can bring it back to us and get it repaired at our cost. So we've actually grown to be the largest low-income car ownership program in the country. Uh, Since 1999, we've awarded almost now 8,000 cars to families. And we think that, you know, and the funders, I think, believe that we do it the right way. But as we grew, we started to have trouble getting all our cars repaired. And so our garages, having the cars repaired at, uh, we're starting to push back and say, hey, we can't get all these cars done because we don't have enough technicians. And then a year later, it became, we can't get all these cars done 
why don't you train technicians and we'll hire them and fix your cars? And so it was like, hey, this is starting to make sense, right? But at the time, we didn't really have a facility that was large enough. And in 2012, we bought a 33,000 square foot facility just outside of Baltimore. And believe me, Dan, as soon as I walked through it, it was like, now we have what we need to launch this training program. So as we got into the training program and really started looking at what it was going to cost, how long we were going to have to have people here to train, getting feedback from our employers as to this is what we need them to know and be competent at in order to hire them, we started looking at going, well, this is a long process. Maybe we can find people with some experience first. And it turned out that in the Maryland prison system, they have an automotive program. So individuals were being released from incarceration with some automotive training, but the issue was that they weren't able to find jobs because obviously they had a criminal background, they had no work experience, and nobody was really there to work with them to help them find that employment. So what we did was we partnered directly with the Department of Labor and the Department of Corrections here in the state of Maryland. We recruit those individuals while they're incarcerated that really want to be technicians, and they come into our program. They spend four months in a paid program, so it's a paid internship. And while they're here, they get uh, student ASC certifications. So they typically pass somewhere between three and eight of the 10 student ASC exams. And then every individual that graduates, we're able to place them in full-time employment with our numerous employment partners across the board. So you have dealerships, independent repair facilities that will gladly take these program graduates and put them to work in their shops. And you also have three or four, I think, facilities around the Baltimore area I'll call Full Circle that are fully functioning, operating garages that are staffed by your program graduates. We do. So we have in, in Baltimore City, we have a, a full service garage that's staffed by our graduates. In Halethorpe here, we have a full service garage that's staffed by almost all graduates. And then we have a, two training facilities in Maryland. One in Hyattsville, which is just outside of D.C. and one on the eastern shore of Maryland. And we're working on a new location. So we're about to open a location in San Diego, California, um, and having some conversations with some folks in Wilmington, Delaware. That's tremendous. And it, as, as you know, there's just a, a great need for service technicians, auto service technicians all around the country. And so I'm sure a lot of dealerships and facilities are happy to, to have uh, all your program graduates come work for them. Yeah. And that, you know, that needs growing daily. I was just had uh, a meeting yesterday with our, our friends at uh, mile one and they were saying that, you know, every day guys are retiring. I mean, they're getting to 40, 45 years old and it's not exactly a job that you can physically work, you know, forever. It is pretty physically demanding. And so the, the demand is certainly outgrowing the supply and that's, one of the reasons why organizations like uh, the National Automobile Dealers Association and Napa Auto Parts and AAA have kind of gotten behind what we're doing because their customers need more staff and, and they see us as a viable solution. Now, are all the program folks former inmates or do you also kind of take people uh, maybe who are also interested in the program to, who are just kind of off the street who are interested in, in becoming an auto tech? We don't work with just anybody off the street, right? So, but we do work with people who are not previously incarcerated. So we have individuals that, you know, may have other multiple barriers to employment, um, whatever it may be. But 100% of our folks that come through the program are either previously incarcerated or 
living in poverty and need an opportunity to find a job that provides them with a living wage and a career. I would imagine that your placement rate is very high and recidivism in amongst ex you know prisoners is pretty high. And I would imagine that you your recidivism rate is much lower based on you giving them a, a very well-paying job, a good job that, uh, that they can earn a nice steady income in. Yeah, absolutely. And so the national recidivism rate is north of 60%. And while our individuals are with us, we provide them with all the other wraparound services that they need so that they're not just a skilled technician, but they're an individual that has the ability to go to work and to be a good quality employee. And so those two pieces combined really impact recidivism significantly. So our recidivism rate over the 200 plus folks that have graduated from our program and we have placed in employment is less than 5%. That's fantastic. Now, you and I met in Dallas at the NADA show uh, back in January, and you're launching kind of a new idea to kind of grow what Vehicles for Change is doing, and that's using virtual reality to train auto technicians wherever they may be. Tell us how that idea came about and a little bit about that program. So, you know, I, I think COVID had a lot of very good positive things that it brought about, a lot of negative things, right? But certainly some positive things. And out of COVID, during COVID, we had to really reduce the number of individuals that we had in our facility, obviously, because we had to spread people out. And they were here for a significantly longer period of time. And during that time, we still are hearing from employers going, we need you to train more. We need you to train more. We need you to expand. We need you to... And it was like, how are we going to do this? Our training program cost $18,000 a person. Very expensive venture. So we're going, how do we expand the program without having to expand that cost? And so fortunately, you know, sometimes the stars just align. And one of our board members uh, was heavy into the virtual reality world and had worked in that field for a number of years. And he and I sat down and had a conversation and we started talking about, hey, can you use virtual reality to train technicians? And it is almost a perfect match, Dan, to be honest with you, to match training a technician because it is so hands-on and virtual reality can replicate that hands-on process almost perfectly. Um, we've had employers, we've had technicians look at this and, and they're going, wow, this is, this is about as real as you can get without being in a real garage. And so we worked with a company out of Houston, Texas, HTX Labs, and they have been doing this for the Air Force for the last four years. And so they were able to design for us a virtual garage, no different than my guys going into the live garage and filming a lesson on how to do an oil change. They go into our garage and into the virtual garage and film a lesson on how to do an oil change. And then from that, the software that HTX has turns that into a student interactive. And so the training modules that we have right now are what we call an entry-level module. And that teaches an individual how to use a lift, how to do an oil change, how to do a brake job, and how to use a tire balancer and tire changer, which will get somebody ready to be what they call a tire and lube tech, which pays between $14 and $18 an hour. So it's a great start into the career. And it helps funnel more folks into our program. So we have the, still have the brick and mortar programs. And our goal is to continue building modules, steering and suspension, fluid flushes, transmission work, and so on and so forth. Eventually in electric vehicles. 
That's great. That's just incredible how this is this has kind of grown from, you know, just kind of trying to solve a problem that you had with not being able to get your cars reconditioned, you know, fast enough. And and it's grown into this kind of great opportunity for a lot of people who who need, you know, a second chance. Yeah. And 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 so we're, you know, we've had conversations over the last uh two or three months with workforce development organizations that want to expand the offerings that they provide to their folks all over the country with high schools. You know, high schools now are starting to, people are starting to realize that not everybody should go to college and there's a way to make a really good living in the skilled trades. And so we're talking to high schools about putting a virtual reality training in there. We can train somebody to be an auto tech for less than $1,000 a person. Wow. And they can come out of that with no college debt either, which is a... Yes, which is a nice thing too. Well, Marty, it was great chatting with you and learning more about Vehicles for Change. Great organization. You're doing great work. Thanks for being with us. And thank you. A pleasure being here. Martin Schwartz is CEO of the Maryland nonprofit Vehicles for Change. He spoke with our own Dan Shine on this week's Automotive News, Service, and Parts newsletter. You can sign up to get that newsletter in your inbox at autonews.com. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer, as well as our own Jack Walsworth and Lindsey Van Hulley for their help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on service and parts, earnings results, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. 